class. How do we give hugs and love? Amen. That's right. That's right. That's good. That's good. Man, it's good to see everybody. I pray that you've already been getting in the, the ah, children's church. Eight years old and younger are dismissed for children's church. Thank you so much. And a special announcement. <laughs> a special announcement for BYG. BYG leaders and anybody else that would like to help decorate the church. Next Sunday after the morning service, uh, the BYG leaders are going to provide a meal, and then they're going to decorate the church. And it's always so beautiful, so uh, please get involved in that. It's always beautiful. Next Sunday after the morning service, amen? The Word of God says in Romans chapter 1, in verse 20, For since the creation of the world, His, God's, invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful. But they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. You know, one of the things that I got out of that passage was, if you're not thankful, you're a fool. Amen? But more specifically, if you're not thankful to God, you're a fool. Amen? A lot of people don't give thanks to God. They may be thankful, but not to God. And I want to tell you this morning, that is a huge mistake. I read about a preacher who was asked to pray at a Christmas banquet. Before he stepped up to the microphone, the company president whispered in his ear, make it generic and make it short. We all know what he meant by making it short. Nobody likes to listen to those long, drawn-out prayers. But what did he mean by make it generic? Anybody got any ideas? What did he mean, make it generic? Huh? Don't offend? What was that? Make one size fits all? What else? About what? Don't be specific about what? About God, okay. Don't be specific. Make it generic. Soften it. You know, even though he didn't say it, what I really think he meant was this. Don't you pray in Jesus' name. Just pray and say amen. Of course, the preacher remembered the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, where the Lord said, Whoever confesses me before men, him I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. And whoever denies me, him I will deny. So what kind of prayer do you think that preacher offered? He asked the Father, and he did it in Jesus' name. But the next year, the president, the president asked somebody different. Next year, the president asked someone of the Jewish faith. And it wasn't even a prayer. He spoke about several things. He spoke about the good food and the good health and the prosperity of the company. And then he said, let us be thankful. 
but he never mentioned who to be thankful to. He never said anything about God, never even mentioned his name. And of course, someone of the Jewish faith wouldn't dare mention the name of Jesus because they don't believe that Jesus is the Savior. But you know, there are a lot of people that see all the good stuff in their lives, but they don't give thanks to the one person who gave it to them. They may be grateful people, but not to God. They recognize they're blessed, but they miss out on where those blessings came from. But the half-brother of the Lord Jesus said this, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every, say every. Say it louder. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights in whom there is no shifting shadow. In other words, if it's good in your life, it came from God. If you got it good, it came from God. We all got a lot of good stuff in our lives, don't we? Have loving mates, have a wonderful family, we've got good friends, we've got material provisions, we got a lot of good stuff. We got the church, we got God, we got our Savior Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, we got the Word of God, we got all the promises in His Word, and hallelujah, we have the ultimate promise of eternal life. We got a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. I would say that God deserves our thanks many times over and many days over. But Paul teaches us today that we have many things to be thankful to God for. But today I want to ask you, are you thankful to God? Are you thankful to God? Today I'm going to show you a couple of things that only God can provide in your life. Things with, for which you ought to be thankful to Him for. The first of which is thanks be to God for victory over sin. What is the big deal about sin? What is so bad about sin? There was once a writer, skeptical of Christianity, but found himself at a church revival out of pure curiosity. And when the decision time came at the conclusion of the service, a member approached that writer and he said, Are you saved? And he said, no. And then he asked him, he said, well, don't you want God to forgive you of your sins? And he said, no, I like my sins. Many people won't come to Jesus Christ for salvation. Do you know why? They like what they're doing. They won't come to Jesus Christ for salvation because they like their sins. But I remembered in Hebrews chapter 11 where the word said that by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and he chose to be mistreated along with the rest of the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. The pleasures 
of sin. The pleasures of sin. Do you know that some people actually find beer pleasurable? Did you know that? (laughs) Did you know that many people find drinking all kinds of alcoholic beverages to be quite pleasurable? And as a result, they don't want to give it up to follow Jesus Christ. So if they have to give up drinking in order to be a Christian, what they will do is choose their habit rather than choose heaven. The same idea goes for other sins. Sexual sins of all kinds. Gluttony, even hatred, anger. Some people actually find pleasure in hating other people. Some people actually find pleasure in stealing other people's money. Do you remember Bernie Madoff? Oh, yeah. That that investor who embezzled millions of dollars from investors in their retirement ages. Madoff enjoyed stealing other people's money. He enjoyed spending other people's money. I read that Madoff had a $7 million yacht. Other people's money. I read that he had $2.6 million in jewelry. That's almost as much as Vanessa Freeman. I read that Madoff had a $7 million Manhattan apartment, an $11 million Palm Beach home, and furniture and household goods that valued at $9.9 million. Madoff loved stealing other people's money, and he loved spending other people's money. But even though people like their sins, I want to tell you this morning what's so bad about it. What's so bad about sin? Romans 6.23, the Bible says it simply, that the wages of sin, the consequences of sin, is death. That's the problem with sin. That's the biggest problem I see with sin. Sin is what separates people from God. Sin is what leads to death. Not necessarily physical death, but certainly spiritual death. Revelation 21.8, the Bible says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice the magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars will find their place in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I didn't say it. God did. Sin leads to the second death. Death, which is separation from God, and a lake of fire. Friends, that don't sound too good to me. That don't sound like nothing pleasurable to me. But that's where sin leads. People can try to explain it away all they want. But the scripture still speaks, and the scripture still stands. I'm not thrilled about it. But I don't make the rules. God does. And if God says there's a second death and a lake of fire that comes as a result of sin, then I'm just going to trust him. That's what sin leads people to. A second death and a lake of fire. But it doesn't have to be that way. 
Listen to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 16, Paul wrote, remember he's writing to Christians here? Amen? He's writing to the Christians in Rome. He says, do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave who you obey? whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Get this. But God be thanked. God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Thanks be to God for setting us free from the slavery of sin. We don't have to live in sin like the rest of the world. In fact, in Romans 7, Paul went on to say about himself, what a wretched man am I? Who will rescue me from this body of death? You know what he said? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the only one who can rescue me Thanks be to God who sets us free from the power of sin through Jesus. I want to tell you, this can happen. This does happen. We can have victory, thanks be to God. Amen? To God. When we believe in the Lord Jesus, when we give our lives to Him, we'll have victory over sin. We may struggle every single day. We may struggle, but ultimately the victory is ours because of what Jesus did on the cross. Peter gave this testimony. He said that he himself, Jesus himself, bore our sins on his body on a tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Hallelujah, and thanks be to God. Amen? Wow. We have victory over sin. But not only victory over sin, thanks be to God that we have victory over death. Of course, we won't see this victory until after we're gone from this world because death is just merely a movement. Death is just moving from one world to another world. 1 Corinthians 15, the word says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But look what he said. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory over death. Our arch enemy. And he gives us victory over death. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you have victory over death through the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe it? You know, there's some preachers that don't. Did you know there's some Southern Baptist preachers that don't? What? Huh? One night, ABC News with Diane Sawyer interviewed some active, do you hear me? some active so-called conservative preachers who don't believe they got victory over death. The program was entitled this, Atheist Ministers Struggled with Leading the Faithful. 
I'm an atheist, says Jack, a Southern Baptist with 20 years in ministry. I live out my life as if there is no God, says Adam, who is part of the pastoral staff of a church right here in the Bible Belt. These two who ask that their real identities be protected are pastors who have lost their faith. These two men who have built careers, built their lives around faith in Jesus, now say they feel trapped. They feel like they're living a lie. I spent the majority of my life believing and pursuing this religion, Jack said. And I get to this point in my life where I just don't feel like I believe anymore. Jack said, the more I read the Bible, the more questions I got. The more things don't make sense to me, the more I read the Bible, the more things didn't seem to add up. He said it was just too difficult to continue in the ministry. I was beginning to look at it like a job. One that I've done for years and years. You know what his problem was, don't you? He had no victory because he was living a lie. I'm going to tell you that Christians have the same problem. Christians have no victory in their life. Do you know why? So many of them are living a lie. They're professing one thing and doing another. They're professing their faith in Jesus Christ, but they're, they're living like they're a follower of Satan. They got no victory because they're living a lie. The other pastor, Adam, said his initial doubts about God came as he was reading the work of so-called new atheists. He said, I, I read the books with the intention of helping me defend my faith. But you know what? I think that was his problem. I think that was his problem. He was reading what the atheists were saying instead of reading what God was saying. And do you know that he had no victory? And the reason he had no victory is because he got duped by the devil. Many Christians today have no victory because they're being duped by the devil. They don't know the truth of God's word, so they're following every wave and every wind, uh, every doctrine. They're following the world's way. They're all tore up about the economy. They're all tore up about world government. They're all tore up about what's going on in Benghazi. But they're not taking care of what God has called them to do. 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul said that the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon their faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons, such teachings that come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with an iron, a hot iron. Whether you want to admit it or not, some people will leave their faith in Christ to follow the lies of Satan. And you know what? You look around and his lies are everywhere. His lies are on TV. His lies are in the news. His lies are in books. His lies are in the newspaper. His lies are on the internet. His lies are even in some pulpits across the nation. Amen? Amen. 
That's why you need to know what the Word of God says. That's why you need to be spending time in the Word so that you'll know, so that you'll understand, and you won't get duped by the devil. That one Baptist preacher said that he feared losing his salvation and his soul. He said, I realized I was losing my faith and I feared for my own salvation, so I began asking God to take my life before I lost my faith. I thought about that for a second and I said, well, that don't even make sense to me. If I don't believe in God and I don't believe in Jesus and I don't believe in the Word of God and I don't believe in eternal life, why in the world am I fearing my, for my salvation? That's ridiculous. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know, I believe in God. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in the Bible, and I believe in the promise of eternal life. I believe that in Jesus Christ, you and I can have victory over death. I believe John 3, 36, where Jesus says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath still remains on them. I want you to know I believe in Romans 6, 23, where the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe? Do you believe? Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for the promise of eternal life beyond the grave. Thanks be to God for victory over sin, for victory over death. But thanks be to God for victory over life. What? Brother Bill's done got off his rocker now. How can I have victory over life? Well, if you're anything like me, you've got a whole lot of struggles in your life. Amen? We all do. We need victory over life's problems. Victory over life's difficulties. Victory over life's disappointments. Victory over life's headaches. We need victory. You remember what Job said? He said, man is born of a woman and is a few days and full of trouble. We got troubles. How many of us have said, you know, there's always someone worse off than me? How many have ever said that? Amen. Now, how many of you have said, well, I don't see how it can get much worse than this. But consider this retired school teacher, about 65 years old, three grown sons, but not anymore. Her oldest son, aged 42 years, shot and killed himself last Tuesday. That's how bad it can get. Indeed, there is someone always worse off than you. Life is tough. Very tough at times, but you and I got something going for us. The word says, but thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who always, say always. He always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. What does that mean? That means God leads us, leads us in victory every day. He leads us in victory every day. Now, in these verses, Paul is talking about spreading the good news about Jesus. 
That's part of the victory dance, amen? You get to spread the good news. You get to spread what has happened to you. You get to tell others why you have victory. When you're spreading that good news about Jesus, when you're seeking to please and honor him, God will always lead us in victory in good times and in bad times. Always. Just consider what he did for Job of old. You know the story. Job lost everything. Job lost all of his wealth. Job lost his health. Job lost his respect. Job lost all of his children. And at this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, then he fell down to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in this all, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. I'm proud of Job, and I'm proud of all those who wouldn't charge God with wrongdoing, but I don't know if I wouldn't charge God with wrongdoing, amen? Be pretty easy to charge God with wrong if we lost everything like Job did, but he didn't. Instead, he blessed God. Instead, Job praised God. Instead, Job gave thanks to God. And the rest of the story in Job 42 goes like this. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes, gave him twice as much as he had before, and the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. Sounds like to me that God led Job in victory. Amen? Good times and bad. God led Job in victory over this life. And he can do the same for you. He can do the same for every single one of us when we seek him with our whole being and when we seek to honor him in every area of our lives. He'll give us the victory. Thanks be to God for victory over life's problems. There's one more passage that I found where the Apostle Paul said, Thanks be to God. It's remarkable. Five times I found just in a, in a cursory look uh, how many times Paul said, Thanks be to God. But he said it this last time and 2 Corinthians 9.15, and he said, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What gift? Amen. What gift? Well, there's only one indescribable gift, amen, and that's Jesus. We've got so much to be thankful to God for. Never Never, never stop praising Him. Never stop giving thanks to Him. When you give thanks to Him for the victory He's given you, all the rest of your stuff gets smaller and smaller and smaller. When you become so focused on how God's blessed you, 
all the struggles and trials of this life get smaller and smaller and smaller. How can we show our thankfulness to God? We can say it. We can say, thanks be to God. We can tell other people, I thank God. But how can you demonstrate your thankfulness to God? I think there's really only one way that we can adequately show our thankfulness to God. And that's simply by accepting His gift. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you thankful to God? If you are, have you accepted His gift? At the conclusion of every service, we have a decision time. And it's a decision time where we offer an opportunity for anyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior to accept the gift and have victory over sin, victory over death, and even victory over life. It's also an opportunity for Christians to rededicate their life to the Lord who gave so much to us. Maybe you need to do that today. What a better day than the day before Thanksgiving to show Him how thankful we are. Whatever way you feel like you need to, whatever the way the Lord is leading you to show your thankfulness, I want to encourage you to do that during this decision time. We have so much to be thankful for. But we have so much to be thankful to God for. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, we are thankful to you. And Lord, we just ask you now that through your Spirit, Lord, you would speak to someone who needs to make that decision to accept the gift you offer. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, for that Christian who realizes they've been living a lie, for that Christian who realizes maybe they've been duped by the devil, help them to know they can have victory over sin. Lord, for the one who's been sick, who's struggled with their health, Help them to know one day they're going to have victory over death. But Lord, for the one who's struggling today with family issues, the one who's struggling with the difficulties of this life, help them to know they can have victory, victory over life's problems. Lord, however you lead your people, whatever decision you want to be made, we just devote this decision time to you. 
for any prayer time, for any altar time, for anything that needs to be done, for any decision that needs to be made. We pray you lead them to do that for your glory and in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,